Strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Ring. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. <laughs> the Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800 State Farm. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. The Red Sea is rising up! Temperature rising, vision blurring, rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. I'm ready. I'm 100% ready. I'm telling you I'm ready. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury! Two words are trending this evening, Ron Wolfley. Thirsty Thursday. Apparently people are getting a jump on the Labor Day weekend. <laughs> Next Thursday, the two words we figure will be NFL football. NFL opener, maybe. And then all ball from there. Oh, boy. Here we are one week out. And remember, we are the original Thursday night football. 52 weeks per year. Ain't no stinking off season for the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Paul Calvisi here. Ron Wolfley there. Good evening, Wolf. What's going on, Paulie? Oh, a lot. Thanks for asking. <laughs> oh, boy. I mean, there's a lot happening in real time. This roster is evolving, I mean, almost nearly as we speak. We had a nev- another waiver claim this afternoon, did we not? We had guys going to the injured reserve. I mean, this is going to be, I believe, a season-long exercise slash excursion. This roster is going to be churned at every opportunity. True or false, Ron Wolfley? Yeah, no doubt about it, Paulie. I would agree with that assessment right now. You know, it was interesting because I know we're going to play little Jonathan Gannon here, a little JG and some of the cuts. Um, just listening to him earlier in the day, you know, it made me think of how exhausted uh, this must be for a guy who was going through his first his first cutdown day as the head coach of an NFL team. And, Paulie, I can tell you right now, Although not every head coach gets to say goodbye to a player, most of them want to get to say goodbye to a player. And this is kind of like the third wave right now for J.G. when you think about it. It was the cut down of the original 53, Pauly. Then, of course, it was the waiver wire. And we all know that, hey, just because, you know what, the the Cardinals – said you're on the 53, if they go out and they claim a player off the waiver wire, they also have to let somebody go. So it was like the second wave. And then there's going to be, I think in the coming days, free agent signings where they're still going to have to cut down people. I I think he's done with the cut down process. No allegiances. We've gone with those two words the entire offseason. Bill Belichick has no days off, no allegiances. But it doesn't mean you have no affinity. To your point, you get to know these guys. So that initial wave, 31 players you let go. I'm not sure there were a ton of surprises in there. You know, maybe just maybe a Davion Davis or a Caden Davis had a chance or a Noah Tongiai, a Kyle Soley. You know, there were names we were all familiar with in that initial wave. They still haven't put a long snapper on the official 53. (laughs) So that's always curious. David Blau, who has since gone back to Detroit. 
So there's that out there. And, and then there was the next wave, as you mentioned, because they went after waiver claims and then they had to cut Daniel Arias, the undrafted rookie receiver, Marquise Hayes, who reportedly is back on the practice squad as we speak, Javante Moffat, the safety, Ben Stilley, the D lineman, Blake Whitehart, who we both know they like yes. a lot and we figure is going to end up back on the practice squad. But to your point, Here's Jonathan Gannon talking to the media and just talking about the ever-evolving 53-man roster. The roster is in flux all the time, you know what I mean? And that goes back to we're going to try to do what's best we can for the team always. Pieces get shuffled around, pieces move, who's up on game day. And it's not just the 53, it's the practice squad. It's how many guys are going to get a jersey on Washington, the roles that they serve. There's a lot of things that go into that, and our guys know that. No doubt. And then today, you had an offensive lineman claimed by the Cardinals, uh, Carter O'Donnell from Indianapolis. Yes. Last three years, he's been up and down between the active roster and the practice squad. He's yet to play in a game. And then along with that, you had a couple of moves to the injured reserve. My Jay Sanders with a hand, Dennis Daly with the ankle. So they're eligible to come back this year, but they must miss at least the first four games. Paulie, I think I want to go back to the original 53, if that's okay with you right now. I know there's a lot of moving parts going on, but I thought it was interesting because they only they, they had 52 <laughs> on the roster, right? And uh, that I found very interesting because they kept 23 offensively and 27 defensively in two. Um, the punter and the kicker, of course, two on special teams. And they cut their deep snapper. We all know that, of course. And Aaron Brewer, they let him go. And, of course, they're going to sign him back. And I think they have already, as a matter of fact. And he's going to be activated, I'm sure, come uh, game time. But it's interesting that 23 on the offense and 27 on the defense. I was really shocked by that inequity. Yeah, what does that tell you? Does that tell you they're they're trying to throw numbers at some of those question marks, some of those position groups on defense that are still unanswered, right? I mean, whether it's that backup safety or the cornerback position, whether Marco Wilson is available, or Dennis Gardeck was out on the field this week, but what exactly are you looking at an outside linebacker, defensive line? You know, they're trying to throw bodies at that solution, but what's that rotation ultimately going to be? I don't know. What sort of conclusion can you draw from that, if any? Yeah, you know, once again, I think to your point, that's what it had to be. But typically, a lot of teams are not in the practice of saying, hey, listen, we don't have a ton of edge players, so let's keep a ton of edge players. Either they're going to be good enough to actually play at this level, or they're not going to be good enough. I, th- I thought it was really, really an interesting tactic. And, uh, Paulie, to your point, you know Monty Ossenfort and J.G., they've got a reason why they did what they did. <laughs> they kept seven defensive linemen. Now, think about that. Seven defensive linemen on the active 53, and we didn't think defensive line was a very deep position for them. And they kept seven edge players as well and we don't look at the edge and think the cardinals are loaded on the edge right there 14 players they kept even even the inside linebacker and i i can i can understand this a lot because of the special teams element that comes into play but five inside linebackers were kept as well i I just was very surprised to see more defensive players 
considerably more than offense. I'm glad you brought that up because uh, I had this out with Darren Urban during Cardinals Underground, the podcast. He was a little combative. He's saying Calvisi, but wait a minute, it's a 3-4. Why are you surprised there's seven outside linebackers? And my, my response was, well, I sort of viewed a Jesse Lucchetta and Victor DiMuchegi as the same player. It's either or. I sort of looked at an Owen Papo and Ezekiel Turner as either or. But I know these guys are instrumental on special teams. I get it. You know, there's a Chris Barnes in that inside linebacker room as well. So sure, we'll see. And they're continuing to add players, and then players are continually cut. I get it. But we're burying the lead here. The big move, obviously, that got national attention was the release of Colt McCoy and the trade for Josh Dobbs. And we were on the air this time last week when it all came down. They gave up a fifth-round pick to Cleveland, they brought in Josh Dobbs, who has familiarity both with the offensive coordinator, Drew Petzing, who was a quarterback's coach the last couple of years in Cleveland, Israel Wolfork, the current quarterback's coach, and then, of course, the GM, Monty Ford, who actually signed Josh Dobbs in Tennessee to start the last two games of last season. So just your takeaway on that acquisition. Yeah, Paulie, you know, once again, I thought that Colt McCoy was going to be the starting quarterback going into week one, uh, largely because of who he is as a leader, um, how how long he's been in the league, the fact that uh, he's one of the better minds, of course, in the National Football League in regard to seeing every defense known to man and maybe executing every offense known to man as well. I thought it was going to be his experience largely that would take him into week number one as the starter. That is not the case, and I think um, you are very familiar as to why. I know you have your own take on this and your own beliefs on this, and I think you're right on it, Paulie. Um, but now that that is is the case, and we know that Colt McCoy has been released, uh, bringing in Josh Dobbs, I thought, was um, very, very interesting. This is a guy that is a rocket scientist, of course. We all know that. I mean, you know, anytime you hear a coach say, it's not rocket science, guess what? Uh, He means it when he's talking to Josh Dobbs, no doubt about it. So, you know, once again, um, it's going to be interesting to see how this quarterback battle shakes out going forward. I don't think it's a fait accompli. I don't think it's a done deal that Josh Dobbs is going to be the starter going into week one. But once again, I thought Colt McCoy was going to be the starter. And yeah, Josh Dobbs has a degree in aerospace engineering from Tennessee, and he's done internships with NASA through the NFL Players Association. So big brain, big, big brain on Josh Dobbs. There's no doubt about it. In fact, speaking of who is QB1, I firmly believe it's his job to lose. When Dobbs was asked about that, he simply said, you know what, I put those expectations on myself. Every time I step in the building, I put starting expectations on myself. So um, I know the QB situation is going to play out however the coaches see fit. But for me, you know, I come in ready to compete every single day. I push myself, but also, you know, approach the room in that way. And so I'm excited to be a part of it and be a part of the team. And I thought that it was Colt McCoy's job to lose as well. And that's exactly what happened in Minnesota during the two joint practices. Wolf, I just think that... He did not slam the door shut and make up the mind of the decision makers during, the, during those two joint practices were actually were more regular season football than you would get in a preseason game. He was going against starters. Brian Flores was dialing it up, giving him regular season looks. It didn't go real well. 
It improved a little bit on Thursday, but if you listen to the Cardinals and they told the media they had interest in Josh Dobbs the entirety of the offseason, my guess is they got done with that second practice and said, you know what, we got to pull the trigger. And Cleveland didn't want to let him go. In fact, they even named him the backup quarterback behind Deshaun Watson. And about three hours after he was named the number two quarterback, the deal was done. And he was going to Arizona, and Dorian Thompson-Robinson, the UCLA rookie, moved up the depth chart in Cleveland. And for a fifth-round pick, boom, he is property of the Arizona Cardinals. Well, the only thing I'll say about that quickly is, guess what? That was great leverage by the Cleveland Browns to say, oh, he's our backup quarterback, by the way. We'll take a fifth-round pick. (laughs) Episode 62 of the Dave Pash Podcast featuring all-pro safety Buda Baker. It's available now via your preferred podcast provider. Get the latest updates via Twitter at Hash pod. All right, we're just getting started on the whole QB1 thing. To your point, I think Clayton Toon is definitely in the mix. What happened this preseason that might improve his odds? We'll get to that. And I'm going to make a comparison. Josh Dobbs to a current NFL quarterback when we come back. The Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Shotgun Dobbs, third and six, steps up, throws a deep ball, downfield, caught! McMahon with the grab! A rainbow from Dobbs! Great job by Joshua Dobbs being able to deliver the football to the outside for McMath to be able to fall to the turf as he's catching the ball. Dobbs, deep drop, he'll throw to the near side, catch made, Woods turns it upfield for the touchdown! Joshua Dobbs on time! the score it is the first nfl touchdown for joshua dobbs in his first career nfl start joshua dobbs that is Ian eagle westwood one that was the end of last season second to last game of the season in fact he started the final two games of the year for the tennessee titans did not have a lot of talent around him the worst receiver room in the league and he still went out there in those two games combined 40 of 68 passing 4-11 through the air, two touchdowns, two picks, passer rating of 74. He was sacked six times, had a long of 39 yards, ran it eight times for 44 yards. We'll get into that in a minute. It's the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley, and Josh Dobbs, a guy who was big time in the SEC. Ron Wolfley, did you know, a fun factoid, he's one of three quarterbacks in SEC history to throw for 15-plus touchdowns and rush for 10-plus touchdowns in multiple seasons. The others, Tim Tebow and Dak Prescott. (laughs) That's pretty good company right there, Bully. And there's another one where he's like one of four in SEC history, and then the fourth one is Johnny Manziel. So he's got some elite company in SEC history, Josh Dobbs. He was a fourth-round pick seven years ago by the Steelers, was a backup to Big Ben. He's Look, he's with his sixth team. Cardinals are his sixth team, but he's never really had – that chance to flourish and i'm going to throw out this out there it's you might want to take my car keys i'm just going to throw it out there this is this is the absolute upside best case scenario sure geno smith okay a a guy geno smith who sat for seven years in fact actually went eight years between opening day starts geno smith but after watching for all those years came out balled out last year went to the pro bowl He was just rated the number 77 player in the top 100 in the NFL. From obscurity to all of a sudden the starting franchise quarterback for the Seattle Seahawks. Now, that would be a crazy set of expectations to put on Josh Dobbs. But 
if you listen to him and you listen to the way he talks to the media about what he learned in those two starts, I think the Cardinals are at least intrigued enough to give up that fifth-round pick and run him out there against Washington week one. Well, maybe that is going to be the case, Paulie. We'll have to wait and see. But always keep in mind that Josh Dobbs did not go to West by God, Virginia. Oh, no. Okay, like Geno Smith. Oh, I stepped into that one. He's got that. Well, he's got that working against him right now, Paulie. But the one thing we do know about Josh Dobbs, he is a rocket scientist. (laughs) Once again, this is a guy that is incredibly smart. You know what's amazing about this, Paulie, when when you really stop and think about it? And this was something that Josh Dobbs was actually talking about. But um, quarterback is probably the most difficult position to play in all of professional sports. Would you agree with that? Uh, Agreed, yes. Okay, no doubt about it. It is so cerebral. It is intensive when it comes to understanding the game, of course, and being involved in the offense and calling the offense. It is unbelievable. And yet... I would imagine being a rocket scientist, Polly, is 10 times harder than that. There's not a lot of situations that you can look at and say, man, you know what? Um, this rocket science stuff is easy compared to something else. So I, I think this is going to be actually something that Josh Dobbs is going to be able to help not only himself, but also the other guys that are inside that room and help Drew Petzing as well these quarterbacks learn the offense. Well, his meet-and-greet press conference with the media, Cam Cox from Channel 12. Cam! He asked him, he said, does it help playing quarterback to be a rocket scientist? Sort of half-joking, half-serious. And and Dobbs said, absolutely it does, because it's the ultimate problem-solving position in all of sports. Quarterback. So if you want to know about smart and high IQ, how about asking a guy from Stanford, right? Zach Ertz here on his first impression of Josh Dobbs. Yeah, he's smart, obviously. I think that's well uh, noted. He's an astronaut or whatever he is. Um, <laughs> but he, he's a guy that understands football. He's played a lot of football. Um, he's got a really good uh, grasp of this offense. Obviously, he's played in it in the past. So um, him coming into the huddle, calling the plays, calling the formations has been, has been seamless so far. Um, and he throws a very catchable ball, which has a receiver you like. And look, in the past, he's had the nickname Pastronaut, even though it, <laughs> even though he's an aerospace engineer. He's he's not actually an astronaut, but it's it's right. good stuff. Okay, you know who quibbles with some of the fine details? It's it's great stuff, and and that's probably where he's going once he's done playing ball. But he's age twenty eight, and he feels like he does have some good ball ahead of him. I just love that, Paul. I really do, because once again, I would imagine just rocket science, Paul, and I keep calling it that, but you know what? It's just too good because coaches always say, this isn't rocket science, okay? But it just, to me, that's got to be really, really hard. Is it possible that he looks at, at rocket science and go, man, that's that's really hard. Quarterback in the NFL, not so hard to learn. You know, you know what I mean? So that that to me is an interesting dynamic because most of the time a human being is looking at quarterback in the National Football League going, man, this is this is involved. This is hard. I've got to know all sorts of of matchups and alterations and checks and, and and audibles that I've got to be ready to call at a drop of a hat. And you know, remembering all that, of course, and the concepts that go behind it, none of that comes anywhere close to what Josh Dobbs is probably yeah. going to be doing for NASA when he's done. <laughs> 
So take I, all I would that. imagine that helps him. Yeah, take all that. All the all the challenges you just cited. And he has a two-week time frame to get ready to be the Cardinals' starting quarterback against the Washington defensive front on the road that features four first-round picks. Okay, Think about all that. And when he was asked about it, he was completely unfazed. He actually said, and he was dead serious, nah, really what gives me stress in this whole situation is I'm in a new town. Where am I going to eat dinner? You know, Where am I going to figure <laughs> out? Where, where am I going out? Because I don't know the town. So... That combined with the fact he's been there and done that just the end of last season. He had eight days' notice after he was signed by the Titans and then started two games at the end of the year. He didn't even know that system, at least this system. He knows the offensive coordinator, Drew Petzing, real well. In fact, he was asked about the importance of that. You know, I spent a lot of time with Drew last year as he was my QB coach in Cleveland. Um, and so coming into that offense, learning that offense from him, and now coming here and getting his own spin and variation – um, it's very unique, um, especially with the relationship that we had, um, as well as Izzy was in that room as well. So it's good to have that relationship, especially quarterback to play caller, right, um, and understanding why he's calling plays, why he's installing plays, what variation he's put on the offense and why he's doing that. And so um, it makes it um, as smooth as a transition as it can be, but there always are different bumps in the road that you have to manage and navigate. And it's not like he's coming off his couch, okay? This isn't 45-year-old Vinny Testaverde some 20 years ago showing up on a Wednesday and trying to play on Sunday. He went through the entirety of training camp. He knows this system. So, you know, that definitely gives him an advantage. Now, obviously, didn't take a single snap in the preseason, wasn't there for any of Cardinals camp, so it's very unique. There's no question about it. But there was a quote from Jonathan Gannon, and he said this multiple times, Wolf, when asked about Josh Dobbs and what intrigues him about the quarterback, what he likes. And the first thing he cites is, and I'm, I'm quoting him, he can make plays inside and outside the pocket. I think that's more important to the head coach than we realize. I think that was a factor in moving on from Colt McCoy. I think that's the reason they were intrigued by Clayton Toon. He does have enough mobility. He does, yes. He did run for a, quite a few yards at Houston. We saw him, especially in those Vikings, joint practices, get away from that Vikings pass rush, extend the play, and find guys downfield. Those are aspects that were not in Colt McCoy's game at this point in his career. Paulie, it's a great observation once again because when you think about it, you, to your point, you've got uh, Josh Dobbs and his mobility, and you've got Clayton Toon, and we all saw it in the preseason, his mobility as well. And at some point in time when Kyler comes back, his mobility right there, that's certainly not a coincidence. That is definitely JG looking for the same kind of skill set where maybe you can be a dual threat, a a run-pass quarterback, of course, as a lot of quarterbacks are in the NFL today. But also, too, JG was talking about command and production, those two things specifically, command and production. And you just know that Josh Dobbs has got command. Paulie, you've got to be able to step into a huddle. You have to speak clearly. You've got to speak loudly. And you've got to know what you're calling in the huddle. You've got to know it. And you've got to know a lot of the other guys' jobs on that certain play and help them out if they forget it. And you also have to have command of the offense to a point where you might want to challenge a coach on the sideline saying, let's not run that play, let's run this play. And to me, um, that's not the worst thing that can happen for an offense, to have your quarterback understand it as well as the coach understands it 
is a huge advantage, and Josh Dobbs seems to be a guy that might be able to do that. And again, I firmly think, and this is just my belief, it's definitely his job to lose. That being the case, it is being termed a quarterback competition right now with Clayton Toon. Do you think that is a possibility, Clayton Toon, actually beating out a Josh Dobbs? I mean, what sort of realistic chance do you attach to that? I love that, Paulie. That's a great question right there. It really is because um, tell me when Kyler Murray's coming back. (laughs) <laughs> because honestly, right now, if you were to tell me this, and and I know nothing about this, and there's been no leak about this whatsoever, but if Kyler Murray was was coming back week five, let's just say that against the Cincinnati Bengals, he was coming back week five. You know what? I'd want to see Clayton Tune as much as I could possibly see Clayton Tune. I'd want to give him as many reps as we possibly could uh, before Kyler would get back but that not being the case we don't know that Kyler Murray's coming back in week five so now all of a sudden I think you're going to throw it up to say hey um, let's find out who who commands this offense the best over these two weeks and who looks like they're capable of providing production look you called all three preseason games right Vance Joseph Steve Spagnuolo and then Brian Flores were those vanilla schemes they oh. they brought it right yes. at times they really dialed it up i asked i asked the head coach about that today and and he agreed he said that was not vanilla football he said that clayton saw a lot and he benefited from it because you know what he got more of a regular season read yeah on what nfl football is all about being a quarterback trying to diagnose and decide as a quarterback so okay how much more regular season ready does that make a clayton tune I don't know. I mean, if Brock Purdy would have played in week one instead of week 12 last year, would things have been different? Was he ready from week one? Single game tickets are on sale now. Go to azcardinals.com slash buy tickets to secure your seats today. How about Buda Baker on the Pash Pot? We're going to visit some of that next on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Picked off at the 30 by Buda. Running back the other way, 40, 50, 40. Baker, 30, cuts right and tackled at the 25. One heart, one prince. Buda Baker, this guy's unbelievable. Discipline, accountability, a team that's just going to play very fast, um, a team that doesn't care about what anybody else thinks. Everybody that's in that circle, everybody that's in that huddle, those are the only ones that matter and uh, we're just going to play football at a high level. I I definitely believe that 100%. It was Dave Pash on the call. Buda Baker with a soundbite there from the Dave Pash podcast, which has just dropped great stuff from the Cardinals All-Pro Safety, talking about his game, just the reset of this Cardinals roster, where he believes the team is going, what's in store this season, and we'll review some of that here on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, Paul Calvisi, Ron Wolfley. I don't know about you, Wolf, because you're over in the TV booth, right? You're over in the high-end real estate part of the, you know, I'm just over there, Ham and Edgar, you know, me and Drew Stanton, Jay Feely, okay, you know, <laughs> looking down there, maybe we'll get an acknowledgement from you and Pash as you guys go all Hollywood over there. But here's what I always discover in the preseason watching is you forget, you forget how automatic a Buda Baker and a Jalen Thompson are with the open field tackling. 
And then when you see other safeties out yeah. there, backup safeties, dare I say lesser safeties, and you see how many tackles are missed in space, and, and you just get a newfound appreciation for your Pro Bowl caliber safeties that the Cardinals start every game. Yeah, Paulie. Yeah, you're so right about that. They're called safeties for a reason. <laughs> they are the last line of defense, literally, typically when you've got to make a tackle or somebody's going to score a touchdown. And that's one of the reasons why, for the longest time, of course, some of the best tacklers on your team, open field tacklers, had to be safeties. And Buda Baker certainly is that. I'll take Buda Baker. I'll take him. I, I don't care if he's in the box. I don't care if he's coming down um from from the secondary coming down and filling the d gap i don't care what it is that he's doing right now buddha baker is the guy that i want out on the field and jalen thompson the respect that i have for him here's a guy that we know paulie you can line up you can put him over the the number three receiver you can put him over that slot receiver and he's going to hold up like a corner. It's it's such a huge advantage to have a guy that is not only a good tackler, not only is a safety like Jalen Thompson, but also a guy you can move to that nickel corner spot. That's huge. You know, talking about scheme, I know you said many times that, okay, uh, certain players really thrive in certain schemes. Not Buda Baker. He can play in virtually yep. anything you throw out there. His new defensive coordinator, 30-year-old Nick Rowless. And, and Dave asked Buda Baker just on working with the new young D.C. You know, I will say Nick is a nerd of football. He really knows the game. You know, he makes it very easy for the players to understand the game um, within the calls. Guys are, you know, able to understand it and play fast. And at the end of the day, that's what he wants us to do. He wants us to know what we're doing. And after that, just play as fast as we can because we have the talent, we have the players to play fast. And, you know, he kind of gives it upon us to, of course, know our job and then just play football after that. Buda Baker on the Dave Pash podcast. You know, a little bit we've come to learn about Nick Rowless. Um, his, his fellow coaches call him, quote, an assassin. So I'll take that as he's going to be ultra-aggressive this year. Is that the gut feeling you get? We haven't seen him in action, in regular season action yet, but what do you expect in terms of this scheme? We've talked a lot about yeah. the offense. What about the defense? Yeah, that's a great observation right there, Polly. I would say this right here. If you're always blitzing, if you're always coming after, if you're always the assassin, doesn't that make it more likely that a team will be more prepared for you to do it? I think it's going to be pick and choose. I could be wrong on this, Paulie. I really could. But, you know, surprise in the element of surprise is also now that seems to be Nick Rollis to me right now. I love the fact that Boot is talking about know your job and to be able to play fast. Typically, you don't have a ton of of checks in in a defense like that when you're able to go out there and play fast typically it, it sounds like you're you're simplifying your defense and maybe that's what's going on i don't know he he is aggressive we all know he's aggressive i love the fact he he puts his hood up when he's actually calling <laughs> a game but you know i love that paul sure. that he yep. looks like an assassin no doubt about that but um you know, again, uh, it's going to be interesting to see how he does this because just like the offense, where you have to tailor your offense with the talent you have, it's the same thing defensively. You, you just can't go willy-nilly aggressive. You've got to have corners that will hold up 
with that aggression as well. And just don't know if you're going to be um, quite as aggressive with that defense from the get. No, that's a great observation. And look, whether it's Buddha, Jalen Thompson, Zayvon Collins, we've all heard them over the last few months talk about how they feel more free. That's the word they use, free, to play in this scheme that – J.G. and Nick Rallis don't give the players every possible outcome of every possible play that's going to be run by the offense. They're going to have to think and react. They want that quick reaction time. They don't want them to hesitate at all because they're wondering, okay, which one of an infinite number of checks right. am I going into? And so that's interesting to see how that plays out on the field. Speaking of the defensive quarter and Nick Rallis, uh, be sure to tune in top of the hour, premiere of the latest episode of Cardinals Flight Plan. That's tonight at 7 on the Cardinals YouTube channel, youtube.com slash Cardinals, And they're going to take you behind the scenes. Rallis, the OC, Drew Petzing, special teams coordinator Jeff Rogers, all during training camp and the preseason, the joint practices with the Vikings. So Emmy award-winning stuff every time you tune in. Flight Plan, that's tonight at 7 as for Buddha, back to the Dave Pash podcast, we thought this was intriguing. What he told Dave just about his off-season regimen. After the Pro Bowl, I kind of just set my mind on working hard and getting my body right. And, you know, of course, I gained about 15 pounds of muscle sprinting. My acceleration has all gotten better as fast as I've ever been, as quick as I've ever been, as strong as I've ever been, can jump higher than I ever have. And, you know, I just feel very healthy, feel very blessed to uh, – you know, put that work in and, um, you know, the season's coming up, the season's here. I'm definitely excited to showcase that. Wow. I mean, if he's new and improved like that, we're talking about a five-time Pro Bowl or a two-time All-Pro safety, a guy who over the last five years has more than 100 tackles beyond any other safety in the NFL. I mean, like, get your popcorn ready, right? <laughs> You're 15 pounds of muscle, Paul, on, on a guy like Buda Baker? Yeah. You know, That's... I mean... And that? he has all the same speed and agility. I've told you how many times in the sideline, you're like, whoa, where did that guy come from? Wow. And it was Buda Baker. I mean, just, you know, like you say, running into the darkness. Yeah, if, yeah, Paul, there's no doubt about that. I just don't know a lot of guys that are under 200 pounds. And I know Buddha's hovering right around there, but I don't know a lot of guys that could put on 15 pounds. Now, if you were 250 pounds, yeah, you know, and I put on 15 pounds of muscle. I can understand that. If you were 280 pounds, yeah, I needed to get to 300, and I put on muscle, and a lot of guys have done that before. But, you know, when you, you come into the league and you weigh 190 pounds or 185 pounds, you know, typically you're not putting on 15 pounds. And Buda Baker certainly is doing that right now. That, to me, if, if he's accurate on that, Polly, what an incredible thing that's going to be because right now he's already a guy that will wipe you out. Can you imagine 15 pounds of muscle he's on li- him now? He's listed at 194. So if we were to think he was playing around 180 in the last couple of years, that, <laughs> that would make sense. And so, okay, I mean, I believe him. I don't think he's embellishing. I don't think he's exaggerating on that. So, hello, uh, we all want to see what that looks like. No yes. question, you know. Um, by the way, speaking of the safety spot, when you look at some of the waiver claims, it's hard not to notice Kayvon Wallace, who just spent the last three years with the Eagles, with Jonathan Gannon, Nick Rowles, 2020 round four pick out of Clemson. He's played 45 games, seven starts. Now you put him, theoretically, I would presume, because you don't have a lot of depth at safety, obviously, after trading away Isaiah Simmons and cutting Javante Moffitt. So now Kayvon Wallace joins a Jalen Thompson and a Buda Baker 
that's critical, isn't it, Wolf? Because you yeah. might you might have JT in the slot as your nickel. Yeah, no doubt. And, you know, it also tells me that maybe there's something else as well that is coming. Maybe there's another shoe that is going to drop right here. We'll have to wait and see. The The other thing I wanted to say quickly, Paulie, I am so encouraged and, and I'm, I'm – I'm cautiously optimistic about the defensive line, the defensive line in particular, with L.J. Collier, Lecky Fotu, and Jonathan Ledbetter. Paulie, I think these guys, we were looking for it in, in, the, in the preseason game, that first preseason game against the Broncos, of course, yep. and then against the Chiefs. We were looking for it, and, man, when they were in there, there was gap integrity. There was no doubt about it, and we've all, all offseason, been waiting to see, hey, is that going to be the case? We're thinking that teams are going to be able to line up and run the ball against the Cardinals and how demoralizing it is when a team can just line up and run it down your throat, cram it vertical, so to speak. It's demoralizing. But what I saw in preseason, man, week number one, I'm going to really be watching that to see if that same gap integrity with LJ Collier, Lecky Foto, and Jonathan Ledbetter, if that exists when they play Washington. That, to me, will encourage me so much if they can actually slow down the the commanders. Because once again, you lost half your sacks in J.J. Watt and Zach Allen. So if you can get some penetration, you can get some pressure, try and collapse that middle from that pocket from the yes. middle, from the inside out, it's going to be so critical because you have some unproven outside linebackers right now and guys making transitions like Zayvon Collins. So I'm with you on that. No question about it. Um, and you know what? An L.J. Collier, just taking him as an example, a former <laughs> first-round pick who said that he was in an, a bad fit of a system in Seattle. Yep. So if it's a matter of that, Aleki Fotu was in a contract year, and man, did he play like it in Minnesota. Yes. Those two, he absolutely dominated the starting center for the Vikings, Garrett Bradbury, in those yes. one-on-ones. So I'm with you, no, no doubt about it. Um but I'll tell you, there's a few other waiver claims that came across in the last 48 hours, and these might be some guys who might make an addition to the team. And there's some intriguing scouting reports. That is next on the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Hi, I'm Cristo Fernandez. And I'm Colo Bikini. And we're from Ted Lasso. And we know a thing or two about football. No, this is American football. Right, so we have no idea what we're doing here, but we're having lots of fun. <laughs> and with the 197th pick in the 2023 NFL Draft, the Miami Dolphins select Elijah Higgins, tight end Stanford. Football is life. He's here, he's there, he's every freaking where. <laughs> Elijah Higgins, Elijah Higgins. <laughs> Some great stuff. That was from the actual draft of Elijah Higgins out of Stanford. Actors from Ted Lasso. Well done. Always enjoy that when they incorporate the world of entertainment into the NFL draft, especially on day three, Wolf. Come on, there's always room for some extra entertainment. And guess what? Cardinals, I think, are elated. They got their hands on Elijah Higgins via waivers, considering he set some sort of record where five teams tried to claim him, but the Cardinals with that number three slot, boom, they snagged him and added him to the roster as we uh, wrap up this edition of the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Yeah, Paulie, and it's really interesting as well because Elijah Higgins is 6'3", and he's 235 pounds. 
Paulie, if you could put on 15 pounds right there, I, you know, there, there's a guy that uh, could be a stud tight end, could be a move tight end as well. Right now, I see him more as a move tight end at 235 pounds, but it's going to be really interesting to watch Elijah Higgins and his career and where it goes from here. He's a former receiver. Uh, Jonathan Gannon confirmed today, no, he's definitely a tight end. That's where the Cardinals are going to play him. But he had good speed for a receiver, much less a tight end. So he has that athleticism. What's intriguing, too, if you had zoom out in that tight end room, I mean, Wolf, you have Jeff Swain, who we had on last week, right? Your quintessential blocking tight end. You have Zach Ertz, you know, multi-pro multi bowler and just a master at getting downfield in the seams and reading coverage and, you know, great hands. And then Trey McBride and – I don't know how you describe him necessarily, but we've seen him in the backfield more, almost like an H-back at times. But you have like four distinct skill sets at tight end in that room, don't you? That's exactly what it is, Paulie. You've got a lot of diversity right there, and I love that because you can be so versatile at that position right now. I, I, I look at Jeff Swaim, and you know this, Paulie, the way I value him. He is a true stud tight end. He's a guy that is going to be a true Y tight end. You can line him up on the tackle's hip, on the line of scrimmage, hand in the dirt, and he can come off the ball and he can be an excellent blocker for you. And then you've got a guy like Zach Ertz, who is the quintessential move tight end to me. At this point in his career, for him to be a guy that is going to move, I think it's one of the reasons why the Arizona Cardinals are going to be right up there at the very top in 12 personnel in rundown situations. I think they're going to be right at the top of the league because of that. Zach Ertz being able to move. And then I look at Trey McBride and I see a combination of Jeff Swaim and Zach Ertz. Mm. I see a guy that could possibly develop into being a true Y, a stud tight end, and a move tight end. So it's going to be really interesting to see how he develops, of course. And that room is, without a doubt, very versatile at this point. And at this point, we don't know if Zach Ertz is going to play week one. Zach Ertz might know. He's not sharing with the media. said it's uncertain as of right now, which is par for the course because you're not telling Washington anything. You're not trying to reveal who's playing, what sort of scheme you're playing, what the offense is going to look like. Do they have plans for an Elijah Higgins on game day? Will it be Zach Ertz? We won't know until that week one game. Now, as for other waiver claims, it was hard not to notice a couple of experienced offensive linemen. They brought in Keith Ishmael and Tristan Colon, and these are guys who have started games in the NFL recently, especially at center, because behind Yolda Froholt, things are a little thin on the depth chart. Yeah, you know what, Paulie, it tells me, once again, just looking at the moves that they made on that offensive line, and I would say, in particular, interior offensive line, Paulie. Yep. You know, that, that tells you where they aren't sure as to what they're going to be like and, and how they're going to do and and where they're going to go. But I thought it was interesting on the original 53, they only kept eight offensive linemen on the the original 53, and... That was really low to me because there are teams who will dress eight offensive linemen on game day, um, let alone how many they'll have on their roster right there. So it's going to be interesting to see how this develops. But I think J.G. already said it. This roster is in a state of flux. And, Paul, I think this roster is going to be in a state of flux all season long. 
So right now they're at 10 in the offensive line room. Cologne has played 20 games with Baltimore over the last three years. Five starts at center. Keith Ishmael, five starts at center. Most recently with the Niners, played 18 games over the last two years. And so then you put Dennis Daly on IR. So you're at 10 because you added Carter O'Donnell today from Indianapolis. He was cut and claimed, and the Cardinals uh, got him. And so, okay, he'd been up and down between the practice squad and the active roster. So we mentioned all that. That leaves Kayvon Wallace we were talking about. And then the corner Starling Thomas from Detroit. What do you think about the corner position? That's a position group we haven't talked about. And where are you right now? Because Christian Matthew made this team. We were wondering about that. It appears Marco Wilson and Keytrell Clark are your starters. Yeah, I, I agree with your assessment on that one, Paulie, right there. And I think we're probably going to see Antonio Hamilton be that nickel corner right now. I could be wrong on that. We'll, we'll find out. But that is, if, if we're talking about a roster that is in a state of flux, I think that DB room, that corner room in particular, is maybe the position room that is in the most state of flux right now because it is a very fluid situation and Paul I think it's going to be that way all season maybe the biggest surprise I'll be honest in the 53 was Chris Boyd is still on this roster and he's been a heck of a special team standout and I'm guessing that has a lot to do with his standing on this team so there you go hey single game tickets on sale now go to azcardinals.com slash buy tickets to secure your seats today When we talk to you next week, we'll be talking about week one. We'll be talking about the opener just a few days away. Speaking of special days, how about a happy birthday to two guys who share August 31st, Darren Urban and um, what's his name? Oh, yeah, Larry Fitzgerald. Oh, Japanese fighting fish. Uh, Anytime it's anyone else's birthday at this point, I think we're in favor of that. Special thanks to Jim Omohundro, Cody Fincher, Lauren Coble. This has been the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. You've been listening to The Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.